So we have some very special friends, Ron and Anna Ogren. They've come eight to nine hours just to be here. So can we stand to our feet and just welcome them? This man's story, if you don't know who he is, is going to mess you up. It's going to mess you up real good. So just put your tray tables in the upright positions and put your belts on. It's getting, it's getting awesome. Hey, go for it, man. This is awesome. Thank you so much. I just wanna, it's just an honor to be here. We just really love you guys. And there's so many people that, that are just our friends and family. Here. And I say hi to Tanner. I haven't got a chance to say hi to him yet. So I just love him. And, and so many of you just are really into heart. I want to bring up my wife, Anna. I am really blessed to have this woman in my life, I'm telling you. It's just an honor to have you in there. And I know for a long time, we, when you, know, you get married and you look at this woman, you know that Satan hates marriages. <laughs> So he makes you think, oh, this woman. I, I used to tell God, you know, this woman you gave me? And, and I get quiet, you know, and I hear God. And God said, well, she was fine when I gave her to you. What'd you do? That's all he said. <laughs> okay, okay. I got to wait a minute now. That, but what about, <laughs> what about me? Just a minute. We got to talk about what. <laughs> so, so you learn to, we've learned to stand back to back and fight what's coming at us instead of fight each other. Boy, that changes things. And you learn, she's not my battle. She is the one that fights with me in battle. And we learn to stand back forth and bless each other and pray for one another and watch God move mightily. I mean, we have done some incredible stuff together in the Lord. We, we have went miles, I'm telling you. <laughs> There's some stuff that just going, wow. And just to see, but the things we've seen of God, incredible. And so we're going to talk about some of that, but now you had something to share, so. So as we were preparing to come here, we've been preparing to come here for quite a while before we actually got to come because God had laid it in our hearts that we needed to be here, that we needed to pour into this place and to what God's doing here because he's doing something special and unique in this place. He has a plan for this place. He has a plan for this region. God has not given up on California. There are people who have given up on California. There are multitudes of people who are leaving California. But God has not given up on California. And God has not given up on Huntington Beach. God has not given up. And he has intentions and plans for this place. For each and every one of you. You're integral to what he wants to do because we are co-laborers with God. He, he gives us that privilege. He, he lays out this plan for us. And he'll say, Danny, will you go down to uh, Beach Street tomorrow and talk to this guy that I have sitting in a coffee shop down there? And then he gives you the words to say. And then he blesses that obedience when you go there and the whole outcome is his because he's already prepared the guy's heart for what you have to say to him and then when it's all done and over with he says awesome son thank you for doing that with me right that's how he does it he asks us to partner with him and it's such a privilege and we have seen the heart of this place that you are partners with God. You are partners with Holy Spirit. You have hearts of worship for him. 
And that's so precious to him. Your song wrecked me today. Oh my gosh, I'm just like, woo. <laughs> I live for those moments in his presence. I do, I live for that. Because there will be a day in eternity when that's all we get to do. Ah, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> One of the things that the Lord really laid on my heart to share with you guys is a scripture um, I call Ron my little Elijah. Um, when, when we first met, uh, we found ourselves in a worship service, and um, at the front of the church, people were kind of piled up, laying on their faces before God. And when, you know, the music ended and the presence lifted, I sat up and there was Ron. <laughs> and, and God said, that's my Elijah. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> well, now he's my Elijah. <laughs> it's a good way to meet. <laughs> anyway, um, Elijah, the Bible says, was a man just like any one of us. I want to read this scripture out of James 5.17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and it began to rain. But he was a man just like any one of us. We are people just like any one of you. But God has asked us to, like he said to Ananias, I was thinking of Ananias when I was using you for that example. He asked Ananias, go to the street called Straight, Ananias, and there you're going to find Saul, and I want you to pray for him. I want you to minister to him. Ananias was freaking out. <laughs> God, do you know who that is? He's going to kill me. But in obedience, he went there. And one man's obedience led to a world being turned up side down on its head because Saul became Paul who was sent to the Gentiles, which is us. We might not be here today if Ananias hadn't gotten up and gone to the street called straight. And Ron and I have been people who from the time that we started walking with the Lord when he said, go to the street called straight, go to Ireland, go to the Navajo in Arizona, go to wherever, go to Huntington Beach. I said, okay, let's go. It gets easier each time. A <laughs> little bit. There have been uh, many times when it was just a challenge, you know, to go. But God has always been faithful and always met us in our obedience. And I wanted to share that with you because there is... Uh, there's this thing that happens in church, in Christian circles, where somebody gets a name. You know, they're the, the people that do this, or they're the people who do that. They're the prophetic person. They're the healing person. We have never wanted a name besides children of the king. We have never wanted a name besides lovers of the Lord. 
We have never wanted any other name than Jesus tattooed on us. That is it. We have been had people try to put us up on a pedestal, and we have jumped down, said, don't do that, and ran. Because <laughs> it's just not right. The glory belongs to God and him alone. He alone put the stars in heaven. He alone can call them by name. He alone can count them. He alone bore stripes for each one of us, and he alone went to the cross for each one of us. Worship only him. Amen. With that, I'd like to hand this microphone over to my husband because he has a lot to tell you. We are. We have both been through processes in life. I had to be trained a lot and, and find some stuff. I was the wild kid. I was the one kid in my family that thought I'd never get saved. <laughs> and, uh, and my family's not charismatic, so they think, still think I'm not saved, <laughs> mostly. You know? and so, so it's like wild. And I remember so many things. Like my dad was so afraid of where I went off to. And I said, as long as I'm seeking Jesus and reading my Bible every day and praying all the time, will you still give me your blessing? He goes, Okay. You know, I, I guess I can't fight that. You're reading your Bible every day. You're spending time with the Lord in prayer. I can't fight that. And I remember when I got electrocuted, see, my, my parents got brought into a world where I was because I lived states away from them. And they got to see a prey to people come while I was in a coma. And this prey to people came in. A lot of people. And they said, how do you know my son? This girl said, I was a 12-year-old prostitute. He came out in the street and got me. And my whole family got saved. Now she's a Christian woman with a husband and some kids and doing really good. And I just watched things. And another guy said, I was a gay guy out in the streets. <laughs> another guy came. He'd been so demonic. We went and got and he said, he said, how do you know my son? And he wept on my, he wept on me so much over me. And he seen my feet, seen me in the hospital. He cried so much. They had to change all the sheets twice. And finally, he said, how do you know my son? And he said, I think he's the only person to ever love me. Whew. There's some people for us to go out and find. And I remember thinking, I don't think I can love this guy. I don't, think, I don't think I can love this guy. I think he's the one unlovable person. He would cause problems everywhere in a demonic way. <laughs> Come up to the meeting. And I thought, man. And I remember I do this Christian skate night, and all these kids would come, and I was doing Christian music. He goes, could you take me home? My, my car's broke down. I'm like, great, okay. You know? So I put him in my truck, and I drive him home. And he goes to a gated community, and I take him to this mansion. And I let him out. And he goes in. And next week, he says, he comes back, and he says, he says, you know, my car's still broken. Can you take me home? But I've been praying. He said, God, tell me about this kid. So he's telling me, he says, can you come inside? And in that, there was one room that was his bedroom with a bed and one couch in there. And his parents and his brothers had moved out and left him there alone. They just kept the outside cleaned up. They didn't want to be near him. And I started meeting school teachers that told me about him and confirmed all the stories he was telling me. And I was thinking, wow. And he gave up them demons, and he got saved. They came in as little boy, as little gifts. And I'm thinking, wow, and my dad's meeting all these people come through and coming through. And then he said, when I come out of the coma, he said, I'm never going to bug you again. You've been doing the things of Jesus. 
not so you could brag to us, not so you could be a big name. You just go do what Jesus is putting in your heart. And see, I'm going to tell you what. I don't minister because it's a fun thing to do or a neat thing to do. I minister because I'm compelled, because the love of Jesus gave me. He said, if you've received much, you owe much. See, I go on the streets. I love people say, you know, you need to quit talking about that and get over this deal. You were, you were brought back from the dead. I'm like, how do you get over that? <laughs> God came and he picked up all the burned up, broken up pieces and stuck them back together. How do you get over that? Blue breath back. And how do you get over that? You know, but how do you get over seeing someone in the street and you get to go and watch God do it? Because, see, I've never taken, I never took stripes for somebody. I never did that. Jesus took stripes for us. I never got in the cross and said, go ahead. See, I, I, I remember sometime I heard, I heard him nailing in, and he said, he just, he just took me away in this vision. He said, if this, will, if this will help Ron get saved, go ahead and nail the nails in. I heard that thump, 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 the pain. And then he stretched out his hand and said, if this will make his life better, go ahead. And he stretched out, and he said, go ahead, put the other nail in, because this will get him saved. See, he did that for each one of us personally. It wasn't a deal. We think, it did not, not for me, he did that for each one personal. It got so personal, I was wrecked, man, <laughs> seeing him do that for me. And I'm telling you what, he did that for each one of us. He did it for River. He took stripes so River could be healed. That's why I know it's going to work. He doesn't mess around. And that's why he says, I want your heart. See, I give up everything. I went to a cross. I got beat. You couldn't even recognize Jesus when he got there. And he got on a cross for us. And then he went down to hell in the grave. And he stole the keys, broke Satan's back, kicked him in bruised hills. <laughs> and then he came back and said, I have the keys to life and death for you. And I'll give them to anyone that chooses me. Just to receive what I've done for them. Whew. And we say, well, let's just give him a little bit. <laughs> What if he would only done a little bit? <laughs> so I've been wrecked lots of times by God when he shows me stuff. And I've just been in, but I've got to see so much fun stuff. You know what I do? I remember one time I told God, I am so tired of traveling. I've been traveling so much and on the road all the time. I thought, I'm just tired of it. I don't care if I ever preach again. I don't think. I don't care if I ever tell someone. I just, I'm just tired. And I heard the Lord say, I don't care either. And then I was like, oh, man, I'm bawling like, no, no, God, don't leave me, man. I didn't mean that. I'm, it's like I'm just tired. And he says, he says this to me. The only thing I ever cared about was loving you and having you love me back. Whew. That's all I care about. Everything else just comes out of that. So I'm telling you, what happened up here this morning is beautiful. Whew. That's the very thing I love to see. See, if you get someone healed, they don't get saved. That's just a longer trip to hell. That's the reality. That's the reality. And miracles are mostly so people can get saved. That's what it's about. God likes to show up. I've seen so much crazy stuff. I could tell you about thousands of miracles. I could tell you about a guy I know. His leg was shot off in Vietnam. He's an old guy, all gray hair. God grew his leg back out. How do you explain that to people? He's walking out carrying his false leg. You know, once you on, once you off. As the guy said, do you have the other shoe at home? He goes, no, my buddy wears the same size, and he lost the other leg, so we just swap. He didn't even have two shoes at home. <laughs> Imagine going barefoot the next day. I need some shoes. I brought some socks. You know? <clears throat> How do you go tell people that? 
I got to pray for a girl out just, and she was making fun of me, mocking me out in the streets of this big open air mall. And I got to pray for her. And I thought she, I, the truth is, I thought she had a sprained arm. And, and I'm like, look. And so finally I got tired of her and I jumped up on this little ledge and I said, okay. And I tore off my shirt and I got all these scars on me from where I had like, like one, holes in me. They're like an inch and a half holes where they ran all lung machines because I was on totally an iron lung and everything draining out of me. So I jumped up there and I show I got all these scars all over me and I jumped up there and took off my shirt. I said, okay, she's going to tell my story. Obviously she knows more than I know. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'll just take off my shirt. And we're out there and said, no, we're Christians. We won't even look, so it won't do you any good. So then she's like, well, and I, then she could see, and I said, I'd like to pray for you. God would, God would love to take that pain away. I said, because what's wrong with your arm? She goes, it hurts, stupid. That's what she says to me. So I said, well, God will do it. And now this girl has a bright purple mohawk. Her friend's got a bright green mohawk. She had so many piercings and tattoos. And I'm thinking, you don't even have to wear a neon sign that says Jesus on it because I don't even think you'd see it on you. So it's okay. But Jesus will just do it because he loves you. So she's like, I'm not going to let you do anything for me. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. And the Holy Spirit says, Tell her, what's wrong? You're a little afraid of attention out here? <laughs> so God had me challenge her. She threw that sling off. So she's got this sling off. I think she's got a sprained arm. She threw that sling off, and she had one of them little tiny arms that never grew out the hand. And I'm thinking, whoa, Lord, I had like the faith for sprained arm here. <laughs> Come on now. Who wants to pray for this girl? Please step right up, you know. <laughs> Everyone's backing up. <laughs> I'm saying, God, you got to help my faith. That's what he says. So God started filling with faith. And so she sung that and had it thrown down. I said, watch this. And I have to tell the truth because I got to be truthful up here. I, the, my first prayer was this out in this open air mall. Oh, Lord, I'm not on trial out here tonight. You are. That's what I prayed. I got to be serious. I was a little nervous still. And faith started building me. And then I started saying, in Jesus' name, cause the pain to start and grow our arm out. And right there in the mall, in just a matter of 20 seconds or so, her arm grew out normal. And she's swinging that arm around in no pain for the first time in her life. And she's all excited. How would you like to go home and tell everyone what happened? <laughs> How do you say, well, this crazy Jesus dude showed up, you know? <laughs> and he touched me. And then she says, what do you want? You preachers always want something. And it hurt my heart. I mean, I turned around. I thought, that's what the world thinks of us. We're just there to grab. She's like, what, how much money you want? What do you want from me? And it broke my heart. And I kind of turned around. Some, sometimes I've had to do that a lot in life. Get the tear out of my eyes because I know that's what they're thinking. And I turned around and I said, let me pray for a second. She goes, okay. And I said, you have a friend that always talks to you about Jesus that you know loves you. She says the girl's name immediately. Says, well, what do you want? Said, this is what the father said. He wants you to listen next time she shares. That's all he wants. Our God is talking. He's talking to us all the time. If you take a radio and a station and you go turn it off a little, it just gets kind of scratchy and not very sounds sounds very good. And it's bugging you. And you're a little bit detuned and then you turn it in between and there's nothing but dead air. Did the station go off the air? You turn it back on. It's like... And then it finally gets clear and you hear your music again. Well, that's with, with God. God has never stopped talking. We might be a little detuned and we got some circumstances we're not listening to. And God's saying, will you learn it back? Will you come in here? Will you spend time with me? Because that's all I care about. I care about spending time with you. I care about filling you up. And what you're going to do, you're going to go share out of love then. 
I'm compelled. I can't keep quiet because of what my God's done for me. I can't keep quiet. I've seen so many. I've, I've got to go pray for a little girl just ready to turn three. A children's hospital was dead. Someone called me, and the little girl sat up, prayed for her, sat up and said, I'm really hungry. <laughs> you know what? See the stories of the Bible. Acts wasn't supposed to stop. We are the Acts. We're the next chapters in Acts. We're supposed to go out there and do what God says because his power. See, when I show up at places, I don't show up expecting I'm going to have the right kind of words to say. I don't expect to show that I got any kind of power or did anything or deserve anything for God to show up except for that he lives in me and I know he loves me. And when I pray, I expect him to show up. I can't tell you how many times I've seen just wiped out so many deaf kids and watch when they see their first words on their face. Wow. And go in and, and pray for people. Zero, you know how many people, I mean, my internet explodes and my phone explodes from people all over the world say, it's 0% chance to live like you had, Ron. The guy fell 40 foot. He's all smashed up. I even got to pray for a guy a while back that was electrocuted, fell as far as I did. His brains are all hanging out. They get him to the hospital. I didn't even meet the guy. I just prayed over the phone. I said, hold the phone over him. A week later, this guy with all these broken bones and all fried up, he walks out of the hospital healed. I've never seen him. It don't matter if I've seen him. See, the Lord showed up. The Lord that took the stripes shows up and heals. Today, what happened up front, I didn't care if I ever got up here and spoke. The love of Jesus pouring out. The love of Jesus pouring out for each and every one of us. It's It's not exceptional people that God went and chose. He chose ordinary people to come as an extraordinary God, a supernatural, awesome, extraordinary God to come and live inside us and then say, will you just let me out? Will you give up part of your flesh that's holding me back from moving fully in your life? Say, let it flow. Let it flow. Let it go. That isn't always fun, man. People, you, you hear the words and you see, and sometimes it's fun, and, and you get prophetic words, and people are like, I'm like, why is no one looking at me? They're afraid you're going to see something in them. <laughs> I'm saying, God never showed me something junky at anybody, except for saying, God's here, you take him aside, say, God's here, and he's got the power to change this in your life now. So go for it in this area. He's going to show up. Not to expose you and go do stuff. There's enough exposure and junk. We need to bless and go on. And we need, we, I said under people, I remember times, I think I'm so ready. I remember having to sit down for two years and sit and train and go around. I'm, I'm running around with these guys, they're healing. And I'm going, the, the Lord's over there. And I'm like, where, man? My Nikes are getting wore out. Oh, and he's over here now, you know. And I'm chasing all around. And they're going, just calm down. Pretty soon you'll see it. Pretty soon I go, wow, look at the Lord land on that person. There they are. The Lord land on that one over there, okay. And just start seeing, like, wow. So you're going to start getting eyes to see. And you're going to know what to do. And then you're going to pray. See, I, one of the things I wanted to say was, I, our church was known for healing and healing and healing. But nothing was happening in our, our kind of church. So I'm there with the senior pastor. And we're praying. We're going to pray. And we, we met with all their leaders. And they all laid hands on us. And they're praying for us. So I'm logging. I had over 500 people I'd prayed for. And nothing had happened. So you just give up, right? Healing's not for you. No, I, I went back and I was expecting them to say, I said, look, I prayed for 500 people. It's all logged here. <sighs> Nothing happened. And he said, well, pray for 1,000. Tell me somewhere what happened then. Somewhere, it was in like 752 or something. This guy had, had his kneecap broken up into little pieces. And my hand was on him, and I could feel the kneecap pull back together. And the guy stands up, couldn't walk. It's running all around on that knee. 
And we're going, look at it, it worked. <laughs> this God deal works. See, his word works. It, did, it works, but you got to get out of the way and let him do it. You got to give him the glory for doing it. So, you know, I'll tell you something I tell all kinds of people. If you don't take the credit for what happened, give it all to him. You don't have to, you don't have to take the condemnation when it doesn't work. Go, it wasn't me anyway, it was him. <laughs> but if someone doesn't get healed, I'll tell you what, I go home, my wife can test this. Do I go home and weep sometimes all night long because it didn't work? And I say, what am I missing, God? I'll go fast and pray. What am I missing? <laughs> I pray for Little River. You can't even imagine how much for him and Stefan. I've been praying for them. And, and I will continue to contend and pray for them till he's fully healed and be honored to know him. But see, it doesn't matter if I know him. What matters is that he has heard our prayers. And that's doing it and making it happen. There's some incredible stuff that God wants to do. And I'm telling you, he wants to do it through each one of us. It's an army and a family going. When we let go through, when God set me under some really awesome people so I could learn some stuff. And they could watch over me. I mean, I was, I was crazy. I, I mean, I was in this Bible college where they didn't believe in healing. I go, when do we do stuff like the disciples, man? I want to go do that. And they're like, calm down, man, calm down. You know? I'm like, that's the stuff I want to do. That's why I came here. I want to go do the stuff I read about. And this stuff in Acts, man, I, where are we going to do this? That's wild. See, too many people, that's where they are. But first, God had to deal more in my heart. And he had to get me to a place where I was ready to go out in his name and not take glory for it, not take credit, and go in and watch. I mean, I've seen tremendous amounts of stuff, and I've watched God move, but it wasn't because I was special. I just got to be along for the ride. I was no better, I've been saying, than a funnel. And his love poured through, and I got to point it at people. And at first, my funnel was upside down, and the little side was up, and I was really having to move it around to catch it. I've seen a lot of people, their little side's up, and God has to turn around, and all of a sudden, like, Whoosh. Now the overflow squirts at people. God is getting ready to do some stuff. And ordinary people that turns this world upside down. He took a group of people that nobody thought, aren't these just unlearned crazy men mostly? <laughs> Said, as the scripture says, weren't men, not many of you were noble when he showed up. <laughs> I wasn't noble. I can't imagine he came for me. I can't imagine what he did. I remember some of my old friends, they said, you're like demon possessed in reverse. That's what they told me. You got the reverse of demon possession. <laughs> and they said, well, what if you're wrong and played this Jesus game? You know what, if I was wrong? I helped a lot of people and I seen a lot of sick kids and I seen a lot of people turn and go from a drug dealer or murderer to Jesus. <laughs> I've got to go watch little kids wake up from the dead and just be hungry and give them back to the family because Jesus moves. I've got to do stuff. I said, if I'm wrong, then I'd rather be wrong like me than if you're wrong, where you're going isn't fun. See? <clears throat> I, I, we carry these biker Bibles we give away when you go do bikers. We give 10, 20,000 away. And, and it says in the back that heaven's sweet and hell's hot. You're going to one place, ready or not. <laughs> That's what we do in some really... <laughs> some really Hardcore deals and, and just like this is what it's like, you know, you're going, you're going to be at one place. So you decide. And I love New Agers when I take them on, they say, well, loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Well, he doesn't. He takes them over to a big elevator and he gets you inside and there's an up button and a down button and you choose which way you push. <laughs> it's that simple. But in between, 
that pushing up and down, God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to live big in you. He wants to take the most broken stuff. So I'm going to tell some of my testimony. That's because I got to, but, but I'm going to tell you that I was so broken up, and he took every broken piece of mine and made them work. And what he did, and he just makes it go supernatural. So I'm going to tell you, God wants to take every broken part that we have. He came for me. I was in a body bag in a natural before he came and blew breath back into me and invited me in and chased me down. Then he came when I was in a body bag for real and blew breath back into me and gave me life again. And I'm telling you, we have that kind of God that's looking at you saying, will you give me all your broken pieces? He asked today. That's, that call was so what? saying, if you'll give me your brokenness, if you'll believe my truths in this book more than the devil's lie, it's going to start working for you. <laughs> but there's parts to make God move bigger. We got to give up. We got to give up. I'm going to tell one quick story before I tell my testimony, and that is uh, some years back, I got invited to this major college. The Baptist Student League asked me to come in, and I was thinking, oh, man. So their pastors are really nervous. Who's this charismatic guy that's coming again? So I fly into their city, and I go to their town where they live. It's like an hour and a half, two-hour drive there to this big college, and I have dinner with them before the meeting, early dinner. And so they said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I won't prophesy over people. I'll just speak scriptures. Is that okay? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I won't speak in tongues out loud because that will freak you out. So that's cool. I won't do that. I might pray in my spirit, but I won't do it out loud and freak you out. And I'm talking with them some. That's all cool. They, well, that's good, you know. And, and I'm not here to ruin your ministry. I'm here just to do. And your kids invited me. Someone had heard about me and their kids. They, had, they got to pick one speaker for that year, and I was the one they picked. And so I'm like, okay. So I show up. But on the way and from, the, from the airport in my rental car, they said, hey, God said, hey, Ron, there's a blind person going to come, and I want you to pray for him. Ask permission. <laughs> and uh, I want you to pray for this blind person. So I said, okay. So we're sitting in there, and, they, and they, we're sitting at dinner, and they laugh. Go, oh, that'll be fine. You could pray if they say that. And they're laughing. I said, what's so funny? We didn't do in this 20 years. We've never had a blind person yet. So right before service starts, tap, 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 came in the white cane. And their look on their face and their eyes were big and they lost all the color. Like, oh, no, you know. <laughs> so I go ask this girl and she said, yeah, you could pray for me. So there was a bunch of kids got saved and they were good. They took them all off to the side. And then we're sitting in this, this big place full of, full of people. And I thought, you know what? Jesus said, I, had, I couldn't heal because of the unbelief. So I had to ask this group of Christians that came in there I said look Jesus and I showed him the scripture he couldn't heal from unbelief so if you really believe that God can't heal this girl we asked for permission to pray for her would you please leave and not get in her way and most of the crowd left and that made me sad that most Christians wouldn't believe that God could still heal her and so I'm like okay and I start praying for this girl nothing's happening and nothing's happening and this Baptist ministry is like, it's going to happen, isn't it, Ron? I mean, he's all excited. He could feel the Lord going. And this girl's not getting healed. And so finally I said, Lord, what's going on? And she said, she hates this person and gave me the first and last name. And I said, look, you hate this person. She goes, that's exactly who I hate. And we spent about 45 minutes talking with her saying, God just wants you to want to forgive her and he'll help you and you'll walk out of here seeing and she said clearly to me, I would rather be blind than forgive her. And she walked out of there tapping with that cane. 
But see, I like to say the story in the dare because God doesn't let me off the hook. So I'm driving back to this hour and a half or two to my hotel by the airport, and I'm going, God, why didn't she get, you made me ask, and I did all this stuff, and, and she didn't get healed. What is the story? That unforgiveness. And the Lord said, Ron, she wasn't the blindest person in there. Do you know how much unforgiveness you have in your heart? <laughs> you were the blindest person in that room. <laughs> I got out of the fast lane, pulled over to the side, and sat alongside the road crying so hard and just asked God, bring up anybody and help me forgive them because I don't want to go through this life not and miss heaven and not be able to do the things you want and not be in love with you because he said that's holding you back. <laughs> See, we got to take check with God and say, What's going on? Why is this not working for me? <clears throat> so I'm just trying to be real and transparent with you. See, I'm telling you because sometimes it doesn't always work. It works sometimes. One person I prayed for 10 years, they got this super healing. It was cool, but 10 years. The other one, it took a year. Many pop right up, boom. I don't always know. And sometimes it's scary. And, and when like a leg grows out, I got news for you. Your natural mind's freaking out. Your eyes are going, did you see that? Your mind's like, nope, that's too much to compute, man. It just freaks you out. It's like, wait a minute, I'm watching that, and you're going, yeah, it's like, is this TV? Is it like Canon camera? And they're freaking out. So you got to know that then the things that your spirit catches up with you, and you're like, okay, that's all in the spirit, and your spirit has to say, it's cool, because the things of the spirit are not understood. God sees from a higher perspective than we see. So it's a whole deal, and I hope that this transparency is going to help someone. I really believe some people tonight to say, i got to keep going. we got to keep doing this. See, I believe California is getting ready to pour out a spirit of God that we've never seen, and it's going to cause a real revival to happen. And if we're not ready, we're not going to see it happen the way it wants to be in God because it takes people getting ready. You wouldn't go out and do a long race without that. You'd be ready to go for it, and God wants us to be ready for what's coming. I talked about that over and over. Be ready. And God's wanting to make us ready. So I believe in healing. I love salvations. I love all that. But the love of God, the fiery love of God, even hardcore bikers can't resist it. <laughs> it gets them in God. It changes their hearts. It changes their spirit. It changes anyone that hard. When God comes in, he melts it. And only God can help us do that. Only God can change a heart. Nobody else can. We, we can't change ourselves. We can just want to. But see, that's that part, like you said, it's like putting the offering in. It takes that want to. As soon as you want to, boom, the power zooms in and takes it. That's what it, it takes, that step, that first step by us, and it's only a partial step, and it's right that fast. So I'm, I'm trying to be really transparent. Well, I was... Uh, I'm going to tell a shortened version, but I do have some CDs back there, and so you can leave a love offering or whatever. I, I, I got, I think it was 26 or something like that back there. Well, I, uh, I was working for this corporation. As it, when I was a youth pastor, I worked so that the church didn't have to pay me. And one day I went out to take someone's place. I was a new foreman. I went up on one of the big power towers, a little over 40 foot high, and I took some people's place. And they were causing a rolling blackout in that city. It was the city of Denver area. And some of the main transmission lines running into Denver, we had shut down to move the poles over. They were in a place that wasn't right away and had been some, an Air Force base, and they were changing it to private land, so we had to put them in there. And so as I was up there, on those lines, because of the rolling blackout, someone made a mistake. They either ran the wrong numbers or someone told them the wrong numbers, and they flipped the wrong switch, and they sent it back to me. So two lines arc like in high winds. And the two lines hit my, uh, 
hit my fingers in, and I had linesman gloves on, but they're only good for 10,000 volts. Unfortunately, it was over 100,000 volts. So when the two lines arced and they hit each finger, they blew the linesman gloves off, and they blew these fingers off into dust. So I had a few charred bones. That was all that was left. And it blew down, and it blew two holes the size of my fingers through and blew a section of my heart off. Then it went down and cooked everything inside like super microwaved me, and my lungs, instead of expanding, were shattering into holes. And then it blew down and it blew out my leg here, and I had flames shooting out my legs with holes the size of these fingers. I still have them here healed over. And so as, as I'm up there, when you get that much electricity, you can't get free. So that's why we carry like a big 4x4 or 2x4s to knock someone off the power, because even fiberglass will send that much to come down and get you. So you can't, you can't use that. And so I'm up there being electrocuted, and, and I know I'm being electrocuted. You feel your hairs raising. You know right before you have the split second to know I'm getting it. And this enough, you know, you're done. See, my <laughs> friend David Hogan was saying, Brother David was saying, sometimes God doesn't follow the natural laws. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, when your life is so horrible, be glad God can move in the supernatural. <laughs> he can move in a place because sometimes... Thank you, God, for that supernatural, because he can move in ways the natural can't see. And so we need a God that can flow in the supernatural. Praise God. And so, so I'm up there going, help me, Jesus, because you know when, you, when you're getting in trouble as a kid, you go, help me, Daddy, help me. And I knew I had a really good earthly dad, and I'd run go, help me, Daddy, help me. And I'm like, help me, Daddy, I got a better spiritual father. Help me, Daddy, help me. And I felt two hands hit me. And see, you can't get, and no power stopped, you can't get free. It either blows your limbs completely, it'll blow your body completely in two, or you're part of it. So there was one little rivet deal that had rubber on it, and the rubber had been cut. And we didn't see it, and it was shooting across to that rivet out my leg. So I was part of the circuit. And so I can't get free, but I felt, I don't know if it was God or an angel, hit me in the chest and knocked me off. So that was, the, that was the first deal I got free because, you know, I knew my heart's going to do two things, which my heart had done. Your heart either explodes or it paces so fast it stops. And I don't like the sound of exploded heart. <laughs> that didn't even sound good. And so my heart stopped. And so now I got a problem. I'm over 40 foot in the air with a stopped heart. <laughs> and so when either God or the angel pushed me, I had the blessing of the day, a little over a 40 foot fall. <laughs> But how many people know if a 40-foot falls a blessing, you're having a really rough day, right? <laughs> you better get some prayer warriors praying for you. <laughs> That's your blessing. So I fall a little over 40 foot, and I hit. And one guy tried to catch me. And I remember he ran over, and he was trying to catch me. And, and as he caught me, I broke through his arm. He's a big bodybuilder guy, great big guy. And I flipped him completely over me. But I still hit enough that I shattered my feet all up in just little pieces. My ankles were shattered up. My tibia bones were all broken up and shattered. My knees were broken. My femurs were sticking out me several places and all shattered up. My tailbone was broken all up. My back was shattered, especially all the lower back was completely shattered into pieces. And I had fractures all the way up my back. My neck was fractured. My jaw was broken. I had fractures on my head. My arms were fractured up. All my fingers were broken and fractured. Every part of me, because electricity had cooked me so much, everything just shattered when I hit the ground. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking down. And, and you know, when you're having a really rough day and you're the only one that believes in healing and you're the only Christian there, you don't get to be passed out and let people pray for you. You've got to stay awake and pray for yourself. 
Praise God I'd seen some healings in my day to believe for that. And so I'm laying there, and, and I look down, and my legs are, are twisting around me, and they're all in panic. Everyone's in panic, all the workers. I'm there for them, and they go, what do we do? What do we do? I go, you call an ambulance. That's what you do. And you, you come over here. You hold my head because I'm sure I got a broken neck and I'm talking still and it's hurting to talk and and I look down and my legs have like they're twisted around I'd like to challenge them yoga guys to try and they're like pretzeled up and I have flames shooting two foot out of my jeans now I'm telling you something you're not supposed to see flames shooting out your legs that's a freaky deal and so I'm watching that happen and 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 it, I was in pain how many people think I might have hurt just a little bit I was burned and blown up and broken everything and bleeding out all over the place and everyone's panicking, and they went and called an ambulance, and, and I prayed. I said, Daddy, I need you now. I need you to come and take some of this pain away. I don't need a paperback Jesus. You know how many people read a book, and Jesus is no real than Huckleberry Finn or some character they have? No more real. I don't need you a dead in the grave Jesus like some people serve. I need you, the real Jesus I know, to come and take some of this pain away and help me. That's what I prayed out loud. All the guys said, we remember. I just prayed it out loud. I didn't have time to mess around. I didn't care who was there. I knew I needed was my dad in heaven. I knew there's only one source when we're in trouble. And that's still the same source for anything in my life I need. That's the Father in heaven. So the Father came and he said, don't worry how anyone looks at you or what anyone says. You're going to be okay. And I'm going to get you through this. And see, I believed him. I'm a crazy Christian. I believed him. My daddy's not a liar. My daddy is not a liar. The God of this book, if it's not working, is something I'm missing because he is not a liar. And it will work. I missed the timing. I missed something. But it works. And I'd seen that about the book. It's the only book of life. And I remember that. I'm there. And, and they rolled two trucks of paramedics. And they come running up to me. And the paramedics lost all the color in their face. And the paramedics backed up. And I'm thinking, oh, man, that's not a good sign when the paramedics are freaking out. That is not a good sign. They see a lot of crazy stuff. And I'm like, wow. And they didn't even know what to do. They said, don't touch him. Go get a doctor on the phone. So they're talking to doctors. Say, what do we do to this guy? They didn't even know what to do for me. So they thought, so they talked to the doctors, and they came back, and they tested me a little, and they go, um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to blow, blow up casts all around you. So they put casts, blow up casts on my legs and my arms and my body and my neck and my head. And they, then they strapped me to a bodyboard. And they were freaking out. Then they put an oxygen tent over me. They said to put oxygen, the doctor said to put oxygen on him would blow up the, what was left of his lungs. And so then the guy I worked for, he came, this rich guy, and he, he came down to the job site and he said, so when the, they were getting, they flew in a flight for life helicopter and they're getting ready to fly me out. And he goes, how bad is my guy? And they said, this is what the paramedics told him. They said the doctor said he had the worst heartbeat of anyone they've ever seen alive. And he has the worst breath sounds we've ever measured. And there's no way he'll live to the hospital. How many people know the devil's not just happy getting you down? He wants to put someone to speak a curse on you. You're going to die. Not that we hope he makes it. You're, he's going to die on the way to the hospital. So he gets in the deal and he thought, I, I just got to see him. He goes, huh, you know, how, how are you? And I go, he had promised me the ski trip. So I said, <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going to be back. My dad said, I'm going to live and not die. So I'm coming back for that trip. That's what I told my boss. <laughs> And that freaked him out, man. He's a non-believer. It freaked him out. I mean, it really freaked him out. And so, so then the, the, 
the nurse in the helicopter was freaking out. And I kept telling her, calm down, calm down. It's going to be okay. And then she, I was calming down the nurse. And then she finally said, would you please be quiet? I'm so afraid you're going to die. Please be quiet. And I go, my dad told me I'm going to live and not die. I'm fine. Watch. Whew. I know them people now. And then I got to the hospital on the ground. I said, call my pastor. I told pastor last night, I went in and quit that morning because God told me to tell him to get a new pastor. I don't know what's going on. I loved him. I've been there 12 years. I loved him. I didn't want to quit. We cried. We, we sat that morning and cried. I went to work and got electrocuted. God said, go in and tell your pastor he needs to start looking for a youth pastor today. That's what I told my pastor. You don't think he was messed up? I called him and said, he believes in me. He loves me. He'll come to the hospital and pray. Call my pastor. <laughs> I gave him the number. And I gave him my house number. I said, call my crazy roommates. They believe in healing. They'll come and pray for me. So they called my house. My pastor came down. They called my house. One of the emergency room nurses from that hospital they flew me to was dating my roommate. I know a good friend of mine. And so she was at the house. Just got off shift. She came back and scrubbed in. They got me to the hospital. And, and Shelly came in and looked at me. And Shelly backed up and went away and cried out in the hall. And she said, I'm going to lose my good friend today. I love this guy. Because see, in the natural, there's 0% chance to hope. 0% chance. See, they gave me 0% chance to live for the first three months. <laughs> but you know what happens is 0% chance. There's a supernatural God, and he can move. And 0% chance is nothing to him. <laughs> and I remember that. I remember they kept letting the air out of my cast, and it kept hurting my legs look like jello. That's what your whole body looked like jello. There was just the bone structure so broken. And, uh, and I finally said, would you quit doing that? It hurts. And I remember my hand hurt so much in anything else. And, and I'd play worship for church some and my guitar and that. And I remember my pastor came in. I go, well, why is my hand? And I lifted up and there's just charred bones looking back at me. I go, well, pastor, I can't play my guitar no more. I don't have no fingers, man. <laughs> How am I going to play my guitar and put my hand down this broken arm? And, and so then they said, We're, we want to do an exploratory surgery. And they opened up me. They cut me all open and opened me up and looked inside. And they found bones from my feet and my chest. That's how much it shot up, like arrows. And so my whole body was full of broken bones all throughout. And there was just no hope. So they sewed me back up and stapled me back up. And they put me in a drug-induced coma and traction the best they could. And left me to die. And so after three months at 0% chance to live, I died six times and they brought me back. The seventh time, I remember, because my spirit was alive the more dead my body was, the more alive my spirit was. See, it was easier on me because I was with the Lord so much. My family and my church had a rough time, but I was with the Lord. And there was times they said, God, you promised you wouldn't give me more than I can handle, but this is it. My, I had fevers. My fever, they measured at 110, a bunch for one month. And my average temperature for that month was 107. And that should have killed anybody, they said. And then they, I was swelling up and splitting. My skin was splitting out. I remember that they just didn't even know what to do, and they're working on me, and, and, and there was just nothing they could really do. Every time they tried to do something with me, I would start dying. And I remember laying there and talking with the Lord, and I'd hear people talk, and people would come down and have to scrub their guitars and stuff and come in and do worship with, with masks on, and I loved it. And they had, always were playing worship for me in the Bible, and I'm talking with the Lord. And I remember I'd hear all the people, and, and some of them weren't talking good. You know, it's like, no, I break the power of them words in Jesus' name. You see, I learned. You don't just let them speak over you. You don't receive that word. You break that word and throw it back to the pits of hell when it's gone. And I'm telling you, when you learn how to break everything negative being saying about you and 
stop the power, it changes your life. And I remember that, that they, I seen people that later on, I told them all their conversations and stuff. But the seventh time, the guy come in and he said, my main doctor, he's like, his heart's not beating. Bring in the crash cart. And I'm listening and I'm kind of thinking, I go, the crash cart, isn't that where they shock people? How can electricity be the answer? You know, that's why I'm in there in the whole place. How can more electricity, is, like, is they weaning me off? That's what's going through my mind. My mind's working fine. Are they weaning me off electricity? You know, what's the story? And he shocked me. And all my broken parts went flying out there and said anything and everything was hurting and cutting. And I was like, whoa. And he said, it didn't work. Increase the power. And I'm trying to holler, but I had a tracheotomy in and, and, and breathing feeding tubes and everything. And I'm hollering, don't do that again, sucker. That hurt. It felt like they stuck a hot spear in my heart and pulled it out. And so they increased it to full power and shocked me three times and didn't work. And they cracked me open and they shot, massaged my chest and shot my heart with the little paddles for an hour and 45 minutes was zero. I was already on an iron lung. My lungs didn't work. And so after an hour and 45 of working on me, they said, that's it. He fought a hard time. We thought he'd be dead months ago. And they tagged my toe and put me in a body bag and rolled me to the morgue. <laughs> that's a crazy place to be. Yeah. I remember just being there in that morgue and not really knowing that's where I was. And the Lord appears to me and he says, well, first it was a demon came for me. Demon came, you say first. And he said, I've come for you and there's nothing you can do. He didn't speak out loud, but he spoke and I understood what he was saying inside my heart. And see, he wanted me to agree with him rather than the word. And I believe if I would have said, okay, he would have dragged me right to hell right then. But instead I said, no way. My daddy said I was going to be fine, and my daddy's not a liar. <laughs> See, because my daddy had already talked to me, and I know my daddy's voice. And when my daddy said I was going to live and not die, I believed him. I didn't even realize this in the morgue. And right then I seen two angels. They were taller than the ceilings above me, and they were monstrous angels. And they said, the master said you could bring him this far and no further, and drove that demon off. And then I realized... Wow, they're taller than the ceiling. I'm in a bag. What am I doing in a bag? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And right then this nurse, she came down. She said it was over five hours. So I'd been in that dead an hour and 45 upstairs. And I'd been in the morgue for over five hours. And she came down and she was a new Christian. My friends had got her to come and become to Jesus. And she unzipped the bag and held my hand and started praying. And right then, I've got cards and letters from people. Like I sometimes street, teach tree evangelism to youth with a mission and other groups. And I had friends all over the world. And I got 10 cards and letters said, we don't know what happened to you today. But God said, write this time and date down and send it to you. He said, he told us to pray for your life. And when you break down the time zone, some are even a different day. And every one of them was the exact moment that was on my, my death certificate. <laughs> God got people up all over and said, I got this, Ron. And I'm going to tell you, my friends a lot of times couldn't. I was so bad sometimes. I looked so bad. Ministers came in to pray for me and passed out. I did not look okay. And I remember that, that <laughs> so much stuff was going on. And I remember that there I am all broken up. And the nurse, she's unzipping that bag and praying for me and holding my hand. All of a sudden you hear, oh my gosh, his heart's beating. Get him back upstairs. She took me back upstairs, but guess what? Nothing was working very good. I, my heart was beating. They put me back on the iron lungs, and I was barely alive. 
And then God started doing stuff. One day all of a sudden, all these alarms went off. You know what happened? God had stuck new lungs in me. <laughs> I was getting too much oxygen. They had to pull the machines off me. One day they were taking, taking MRIs and x-rays of my back, and my back was all shattered up. And so they said my spleen was all broken and torn. So they, they took, people came in, laid hands on me and prayed. And the next day, right before surgery, they come in to look and they, they ran the MRIs and x-rays again. And my back was in two pieces, but still sticking through the spleen each way. But it was so different. They had all the machines recalibrated and they checked out fine. And the next day after people prayed, they came in and got it pulled my back together and started, just healed it. That did, the freaky stuff was happening. I remember my hand was all wrapped up and they, they told me my hand was dead and they'd done all these tests and they unwrapped my hand to amputate it and God has stuck my fingers back on a full filling. <laughs> you know, that freaked them out so bad they had me fingerprinted because if you cut your hand, it changes and I had the same fingerprints and that freaked them out. They go, how did that happen? I said, the same guy put them back on. These are regional equipment, man. <laughs> They're original equipment, man. See, if you get, there's so many people I know have gone to heaven and seen this room and angels in there saying, we have all these extra body parts and no one's asking for them. So I started asking for body parts and I started seeing things grow out. Saying, you got them up there. Let's see them come down. I don't see everyone healed, but I see a lot of people healed. And I've seen meetings where they brought in 10 or 12 people at death and God healed them all. Can't tell you how many meetings we've seen people all sitting in hospital gowns with the <laughs> stuff on, and we go to the back praying. You, I remember that one lady down in Anna, remember, and she was dancing up front in her hospital gowns. <laughs> She's crazy good. I can't tell you the times God's done that, but I tell you what's cool there. When He came, my friends prayed for not just me. There was ten people supposed to die, and not one died. God went through and touched them all. See, God's not about just me there. He didn't say, I'm coming for my friend because I love him, but i got a plan for this. Whew. See, when Jesus blew back, back me to morgue, he said, it's not time for you. got some more places to go. One was right here. <laughs> and I'm going to blow breath back in you and send you back for the rest of the mission I have for you. See, but they're still paralyzed. Then they're freaking out about that. And one day they said, so much has happened we're going to send you to a paraplegic hospital because I could only move one hand a little bit. I didn't get everything at once. Some people do. And I remember they put me over in this paraplegic hospital and I could only move one hand a little bit. And they said, how do you feel? I go, I feel like a plywood cutout. They go, no, plywood bends more than you do. <laughs> I'm thinking, that didn't make me feel better. <laughs> and I remember that, you know, when Satan's really after you and he's having people talk stuff and that and doing more stuff, and, and he, he, you just hear stuff and you're fighting for your life and you're fighting for God to be moving in you and you're fighting for your healing. It's a battle. But Satan's the loser and he does lose in the end. He's going to lose the, on river. He's going to be healed and running around. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm not stopping praying for that kid. As long as I have breath in me, I'm praying for that young boy. I'm praying for his family and, and others that God's put on my heart. So as we're... They said, you're, we're going to send you to this paraplegic hospital, but you're going to go sicker than 95% of the people ever entered this hospital. <laughs> so they stuck me over there. And I remember I'm watching, I'm talking to them, and they, they would put you in, in little pools, you know, and, and so you could move a little bit more. Well, I got to tell you, so they do first. So I'm in there for just a short time, and a group of doctors come from the other hospital. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's across town. I know that. Why are you here? 
And none of them looked good, and someone got red eyes. And so I finally said, hey, why are you guys here? I said, well, we got to tell you something. See, in a hurry, because they put over 10 times my blood system back in me, in a hurry, we gave you tainted blood, and it had full-blown AIDS and hepatitis C. <laughs> so we've killed you, and we're feeling bad. We killed you, and we know that. We just gave you a death sentence. We killed you. You know what I told them? This is what I tell doctors. Thank you for telling me what to pray, and I forgive you. <laughs> I wouldn't have known to pray for that, so thank you very much. And my dad said I was going to live and not die, and my daddy's not a liar. So after 10 tests, all the rest came back clean. God took the AIDS out of me. He took the hepatitis C out of me. God said, I'm Lord here. You don't think that freaks doctors out? See, the thing is, I know a long time ago, the blood inside me, the DNA is not my family. It's the DNA of Jesus' blood. See, I... I'm starting to claim the DNA of Jesus' blood. The healer lives inside me. The healer lives inside you. I'm not receiving all the junk anymore. I'm telling get off my body. Get out of me. Pain, leave. I don't receive this. You don't have legal right to be on me. Get out of here. I'm a, I'm a son of the living God. We're sons and daughters of the living God. And, and I remember they put me in these pools so you could move a little bit. I could still just move one hand a little bit. And I'd, I'd get over there and I'd be praying for these other paraplegics. Three of them got out of the water. Ah, healed. <laughs> healed. Instantly. I'm sitting there. I've been going through all this. And, and I'm going, what about me, God? I am in the water. I am in the water, okay? <laughs> I'm not like the guy that couldn't. I am in the water. <laughs> wasn't my time. I remember they told people, you're going to like this patient. He's going to encourage you. See, because even under our strongest times we have someone that lives inside us that's an encourager he still wants to encourage I say I'll be in here right now but not for long you watch I'm going to walk out of this place I'm going to be so healed my God is going to show you how big he is I'll be telling people that I can move one arm a little bit they're stressing me they're putting me into bed (laughs) I'll be telling them about my God how big he is so after time in the there God said Hey, Ron, you're going to walk. I was so excited. I knew he was telling me I was going to walk. But I just thought it was right then. So I bugged everybody in that big paraplegic hospital. And they put me in their room where they had the little bars. And I like to say I hopped up out of my wheelchair. I couldn't get out of my wheelchair. And so they rolled me back to my room. And they said, and Satan was just throwing all this depression. He said, you're a loser and you've always been a loser. And you, I let you play this Jesus game. And I'm like, just shut up, Satan. <laughs> And they're telling me, hey, where, hey, hot shot, where's your God? That's what they're telling me. I really, I really was putting it on them, so they're giving it to me back. I deserved it. It was like there's two camps there, this one that said, you just need to get this right. And so they rolled me back to my room, and I said, Jesus, when you were on the earth, you fought the devil with Scripture. Give me Scripture. So I'm rolling back. I'm depressed, man, and, and I'm feeling bad. I thought I was going to hop up and walk out of that hospital and tell everyone about Jesus Christ. Instead, they rolled me to my room and put me in my bed. But I started saying in that, there, see, when you can't hold your Bible, you better have it in you. And not only in you, you better believe this word is truth. And you better believe that word has power. Because that's the time you need it. 
And so you need it when you could speak it out and believe it. And so I started saying, oh, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Oh, why so disturbed in me? Put your hope in God. And I started praying that over and over and just saying it out loud till that depression left me. And they put me back into my bed. And they left me there. And I said, God, I don't know what faith is if that's not faith. I thought you said I was going to walk. I bugged everybody in the hospital till I was obnoxious for you. And they put me in that room and I couldn't walk. But it wasn't time. You know, people get mad because it's not their time. And it doesn't happen in the way they think. There's people quit going to church. There's people that quit serving God because he didn't answer in the fashion they were expecting or the way or the timing. And I'm really sad about that because I'm not in charge. He is. So as we're doing that, I know I've gotten a little long. There. But I'll tell you that, that as God was moving in some of the stuff, and I was in that room for about 45 minutes or an hour. And all of a sudden, here comes this team of doctors and therapists and two psychiatrists. <laughs> and they were in there to explain to me how that my back was too bad, how that my heart was still, my heart's still missing a section of it to this day. <laughs> my legs, the muscles aren't connected together there. It's wild what God's done for me. And so, so they're telling me how, I'm, they're telling me all this stuff I can't do and how that to get out of bed and get dressed in the morning will tire me out so much, that's all I'll be able to do for the whole day. That's the best hope they have for me. That's the hope of the world. But my daddy said, I'm going to walk out of here and be healed. So I'm telling him, I said, God, what, what is this? And I've been talking to him saying, am I going to be healed? Just tell me. I don't want to strive anymore. Tell me, am I going to be healed? And I just said, because see, you're still the very best thing that happened to me. If I'm stuck in this wheelchair and only one hand works, I'm going to be a one-handed wheelchair racer, and I'm going to go down the streets and tell everyone I can about Jesus when I win a race. And I'm going to roll around. I'm going to get the coolest mags on this wheelchair they ever had. I'm going to get a cool Jesus paint job all airbrushed on here, and I'm going to roll down the street and tell people you're still the best thing in my life. I just got to know, though. If I'm going to walk, tell me. If not, then that's the way I'm going. Just tell me, because I'm still going with you. And he said, you are going to walk. I didn't say it was today. You came up with today all on your own. I'm like, I'm cool with that. <laughs> so now I'm ready to take on these doctors. And so there, these two psychiatrists are arguing with me. And, and, and they wrote three full pages on me. This man is schizophrenic and multi-personality. He lives in a completely make-believe world. <laughs> Do you know, well, that's how the world looks at us. They think we're believing this make-believe world. They don't see the reality. See, we are seeing dimly to a new place a new place that God has created for us. I'm so excited to go to heaven. I love what God does here, but I'm so excited to go to heaven one day. I am so excited. And so, so I'm talking to them, and, and they, they're getting mad, and I'm, I'm having fun. I'm, I, when you can get psychiatrists totally freaked out, two of them, and arguing with each other and screaming at you, that's a fun day. It really is. You know, because they're they're, they were trained not to get uncool with you, and they were getting really hot. And I was having fun. And so the more they're going, and, and so I'm talking with them, and, and uh, then all the doctors are explaining, and they said, so finally one psychiatrist says, what if you're stuck in this wheelchair the rest of your life? I said, I know what happened. The best thing that still ever happened to him was Jesus Christ 
became my savior and he came after me so that I'll still serve him and I'll roll down as a one-handed wheelchair racer and I'm going to get this wheelchair some cool mags and I'm going to get an airbrush for Jesus and I'm still going to roll down the street and tell everyone how cool Jesus is whether he heals me or not because it's what he's done inside it's what he's done inside is already worth more than anything I've done out in the world so I'm like and besides that my daddy said I'm going to walk out of here and my daddy's not a liar so after I told them that, they wrote three more pages about how insane I was. Not even, they refused to see me after that because I wasn't, until I came back in my right mind, I wasn't even reachable. That's what they wrote. But I tell you what, when you have the mind of Christ, you're not in the right mind of the world. You've got a choice. You can have your mind in the world or you can have your mind in Christ. I want my mind in Christ. And so there I was. And so then the Lord says, hey, Ron, I want you to prophesy to him. I'm like, what do you want me to tell him? <laughs> tell him in a few months you're going to be playing softball with your church and you're not going to be in that wheelchair. Man, that really made him write pages about me. <laughs> and I said, because my daddy said so. My daddy's not a liar. So they left the room. And about a week and a half later, God said, today's the day. And I want you to know, I was a little shaken, so I prayed all day. And at the end of the day, as a joke, they snapped crutches on me. And God said, watch this. See, when he woke me up and put me back in my body, and the more he went, and just blew breath back to me, he says, watch this. And he went, and my body snapped together. And I stepped up, and I walked out of there with them crutches. And I walked out of that hospital because my daddy was not a liar. And a couple months later, we're playing softball with our church team against a famous bar in our city and I get up and I hit a line drive my time over first base and I'm running I'm running for first and even the bar sat down and just started weeping because they knew the story and they wouldn't even go after the ball and I'm like look I almost died I want this base fair and square man I want this I want this all the way <laughs> and I get on first base and I'm looking back and in the stands 250 hospital workers because I told them see my daddy says you're all going to be there to watch me the two psychiatrists who were there, all the doctors, everyone in there, because my dad wasn't a liar. He made them all show up to the game and watch me run because my dad's not a liar. See, the things I read and hear, I believe. I may not know how to unlock every one of them, but I'm learning because I have the keys to the kingdom. He gave them to each one of us. He went and got the keys of the kingdom. He's given them to you. So what are we going to do with them? <laughs> Sit around and jingle them <laughs> or use them. So I'm telling you, this is a long deal. They, they took metal rods like this. I had to take these out. My legs were fused like this with the little pieces of bone. This used to run through my femurs. And they slid little pieces of bone. And it was fused to my hip and to my knee. My body was full of stuff like this. One day God said, I don't share my glory. Get it all out. So I went back in and had to go back and go all through learning to walk again. Had them take all the metal out of me because my daddy wasn't a liar. They told me, that has to be in for life. I said, check again. My daddy's not a liar. It's all out of me. And see, I have my heart that has the heartbeat of a man having a massive heart attack, but I don't have any problems. <laughs> my leg, they've studied me three times from doctors all over the world, and they have two types of doctors. Those that believe God did a miracle in me, and the other believe I'm an alien from outer space, because it's a lot easier to believe. And I can show them in my Bible. I believe that the Lord came, and I believe he sent his son for me, and now I'm an alien and a foreigner. You're right, I'm both. <laughs> I can show them right in there. I am truly an alien, right out of my word. And what I'm saying to you is, 
We have a God that loves you. See, he came because of me and not because I'm special. He had a plans for me, but he loved me. I go around because I want to share the fiery love of Jesus with all those that will listen. I'm telling you, outlaw bikers got together and tried to disprove my story, so I'll quit coming. They all nicknamed me the dead man. That's all they call me. Hey, there's the dead man. They know I had my death certificate filled out. They know that God did crazy stuff. I go see nurses and doctors. They freak out. I got to go back to that paraplegic hospital. You know what happened when I told my testimony there? Three people walked. And within one year, seven people in that meeting walked fully, healed. I took two other guys that were spinal injuries that God healed. See, God's not just exclusive. He loves all of us. Healing works. See, we're going to pray for people. I know we kept you long. But I'm telling you, we got a God that loves you. And we want to pray for anybody that wants. We're going to bring their team up. See, because it's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's about Father God showing up. So every once we're just going to start releasing people. But could I pray for you? Would that be all right? Oh, Father God, I thank you for everyone in here. I thank you for all those that listen over the Internet. And I just ask that you would bless them, that they would see that you're an incredible God that comes to live inside ordinary people. And you have incredible purposes and plans for them. I pray you'll train them and equip them to use it. I know this is a training and equipping church that will use them to go out and shake this entire area up and shake the world up with what's coming through here. I'd ask that you'd go move mightily, that you'd show them how much you love each one of them, how much that you're a God that does not lie. You're not the daddy that lies. You're the daddy that tells the truth. And the words they've heard, you'll bring about in a perfect timing. It doesn't matter how dead some of those dreams look and some of those words because you can get them out of body bags. You can just breathe one right over them and it changes everything. One breath from you, God. So I pray you would breathe on these people and you'd move with your fiery love. The only gift I have that works awesome is your fiery love and that's because you pour it through me. So I'd ask that you'd pour your fiery love into each and every one of us now. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. And we're just going to let Andrew run this. Whoever needs, wants some prayer, you come up, and we're just going to pray for you, okay?